0: unzip that monogrammed faux leather bible carrying case and cover pull up a chair and let's dig in summertime living easy fish jumping
1: (laughs) cotton high jake bearded uh how you doing jake I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know, here we are in the in the in the early days of the summer, and uh, probably uh, sitting down. What 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 books are you hoping to read this summer, Aaron? Any in particular? Um, a lot of Daniel Steele, a lot of
0: uh, um, graphic novels. No, I'm I um, I'll be reading. I don't know what I'll be reading. I like fiction. I like. Uh, I've been reading "Agony in the Ecstasy" about Michelangelo. Mm. Uh, which is great, except for the part where Irving Stone, the author, who I think this book came out in the 50s, he sort of makes Michelangelo's artistic work like he talks about it almost like in sort of a sexual way, and every time he does it, but it's like very, it's like. I could you see can see. Imagine you being into a guy that. who looks like a 1950s FBI agent, like wearing a wool suit. He's that's how Irving Stone looked, and he wrote this novel, and I feel like he, he maybe was working out some of his own issues through imagining Michelangelo's creative process.
1: But I digress.
0: What about you, Jake? What are you going to be reading?
1: Um, I'm going to be reading uh, just a lot of people. And so, uh, no. <laughs> probably. Us uh, Weekly is more my speed. Yeah. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm actually going to be working through a book on the history of Mexico. So, because I will be down there, um, you know, enjoying... Well, li- uh, yeah, little yeah, known I- fact, if you come across... Any reference to the
0: guy that handled the money for Pancho Villa? Let me know, because apparently that was like my great grandfather. Is that a fact? That that is the family lore. Now, who he knows? My, raid, my he grandfather used to raid the ranches was,
1: of my wife's family. Well, sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, n- no I don't offense. know if we can if we can go on anymore. Nothing so personal.
0: We, yeah. So, uh, my my grandfather was the controller. Uh, for the Mexican National Railroad, um, uh, in the you know 30s and 40s, so I don't know what and and on into I think he retired in the in the 70s, but um, yeah the the word is that his his dad, maybe his grandfather I don't know somebody in the family line was was helping the guy with the, with the bullets across his chest
1: so that is amazing. Let me know what you. So find out. yeah I will uh, you know uh, Molina's uh, Molina's great-grandfather great-great-grandfather one of those helped build the roads in mexico was hired by profetio diaz to do it so yeah. um a lot of roots there but i'll be reading the history of mexico i'm really interested where we're staying in cuernavaca the uh, yeah. we'll be with the anglican diocese of cuernavaca there but the cuernavacas were not only the kings of the aztecs would go on vacation. But it's where Hernan Cortez went on vacation as well. So a lot of history. Looking forward to diving in. And so, where my um, uncle Emilio lives. So if, if you see Theo Emilio. Yeah, man, we should, uh, you should tell, we should connect with him. So maybe we can have some, um, you know.
0: I've got connections all over the, the, the United States of Mexico. So I'll hook you uh, up.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. So we come to First Samuel, and uh, we are here in chapter fifteen, uh, verses thirty-four to sixteen. Uh, and and I want to encourage everybody. If you remember, we're going through track one, and uh, you know we encourage as much as possible not to shift the tracks because you might land on the third rail. But uh, the point is, is it's for preaching out of the Old Testament, and you can have a theme. And so we're going through the history books here, and then we don't jump cross into,
0: the streams.
1: That's right. And then we go into Second Corinthians chapter five verses 6 through 17, and unfortunately the lectionary has cut out um, the juicy bits, 18 and 19. And then um, Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 34. And so, um, Aaron, what are your thoughts on um, here, um, uh, we open up with a very uh, uh, emotional moment where Samuel is grieving the fact that the Lord has rejected Saul as king over Israel.
0: Yeah, so there's, this is right after a big kind of fight between Samuel and Saul, Saul had offered some unauthorized sacrifices, and this is sort of the end of the relationship uh, here. Um, Samuel and Saul had kind of worked together. Samuel was still kind of like the spiritual father of Israel, mm-hmm. and Saul was the king who kind of, you know, looked good, but not the sharpest tool in the shed. And uh, Isn't that how um, it always goes? It's how it goes. So... Samuel's grieving over this, and it says here that the Lord was sorry that he made Saul king over Israel. This is um, using anthropomorphic emotional language to talk about God. Don't put too much weight on it. It's not like God was, like, surprised that Saul Mm -hmm. didn't work out or something like that. Uh, And so, um, but God is ready to move now to, to the next person in line, the successor of King... Saul, he's and the King David. <laughs> and yeah, he's totally over it. He is, uh, you know, Katy Perry says it's never really over, but, but here she's this is. wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, is he, God is over <laughs> Sam, Saul. And I think the thing that's interesting about this is that God had warned against uh, ever having a king in Israel. Uh, the people in the last, last Sunday, they had been asking for a king, and Samuel said it's a bad idea, and God said it's a bad idea, but nevertheless, gives them the king uh and um so this is all kind of what god said would not be good and yet god is still going to work through it god is going to bring about king david and even before this we know that the fact that king david exists is because of god's work through ruth and boaz so that's kind of in the background here as well so it's just there's something deep and profound here about even when we sin or even when we do things that are against uh what we might think is god's will God can work in that, and so that's many people right. think that when you when you break, when you go against the will of God, He abandons you and He can't work through it. And you're if you end up in a bad place in life, it's because you're a, you you diverge from the will of God, and that's absolutely not true. You you as the psalmist says, if I go up into the heavens, God is there. If I go down to the depths, God is there. So wherever you are in your life, God can work. And so here, God is working through. The jacked up plan for a king that the israelites asked for and he's going to show them king david and so the, the the big thing here is samuel goes down to bethlehem uh he meets jesse the grandson of uh ruth and boaz and they have a beauty pageant they do they they line them all up and mm-hmm. there's the swimsuit Swinsuit. competition the talent competition evening mm-hmm. gown and <laughs> um uh, and and Samuel's there to pick out the prettiest one of all to be the next king over mm-hmm. Israel and um but but none of them are chosen and instead S- Samuel is confused because he's he's looking at all these guys they seem like perfectly wonderful candidates and but it turns out there's someone else there's yeah, there, youngest son and, who's out watching the sheep
1: Yeah and that's really important because he is a shepherd and and this is a foreshadow of you know he will be um, a shepherd of Israel and uh a foreshadow of um his greater son who will be the good shepherd and so yeah and I,
0: it's and it's also i think a point about where where again where does god work um we we think uh we tend to look at like the the choices we think would be the optimal choices but there may be some other card up god's sleeve yeah. that he and, uh, that he wants to pull out
1: and watching sheep was a lowly job even then so you know what i mean so he is um He's working through the lowly here.
0: Yeah, that's right. Because when you think about, so we have kids, and there are, we have chores in our household, and there are some chores that are more popular than others, and there's some chores that no one wants to do, like you know, picking like up the landmines that our dog leaves in the backyard, <laughs> uh, and um, and the fact that David is shepherding shows how low on the totem pole he is, because they don't even think to call him to this meeting that Samuel has mm-hmm. uh, convened, um, and so but this is the one who, through whom God works. So again, back to this idea of where does God work in your life? This is what we call sometimes the Nazareth principle. What good can come from Nazareth? Well, that's where Jesus is from. Uh, the statement that, uh, uh, uh Peter makes, as we heard a few Sundays ago in acts about Jesus, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. That's sort of what King David is here. Um, Uh, And this shepherd boy will become king. He doesn't become king immediately, by the way. This is sort of a... uh, He wins the election, but he hasn't been inaugurated yet. He's the king-elect. Saul will remain in power for some time, and we're going to get into the David and Goliath stuff and all that sort of coming. But he's not... He's anointed, but he's not yet king. Hmm. So...
1: Yeah, there we'll it is, I mean, yeah, I on. think we have, yeah So 2 Corinthians, you know, and this really, I think, builds on And Paul, Paul like, kind of builds on what, what 1 Samuel is really t- trying to articulate You have 2 Corinthians chapter 5 here Where once again, um, Paul is uh, continuing his uh, debate against And trying to um, persuade the Corinthian church against the ways of the super apostles These were, you know, good-looking pastors who had it all together Who were telling you to look within Telling you to look within and find the strength within. I was just, you know, our pregame air, and I was telling you about um how um I was listening to a um, a uh, mega church pastor, super good looking, well dressed, really. I mean, he's got it. He's got it all together. Clearly, um, it's got it more together than I do. And uh, but that's not saying much. But uh, it, not hard his, to do. His whole message was, um, it's within you. And uh, and this is this is the message of the super apostles. It is within you, you know. And uh, and Paul like he begins this by saying, you know, um, uh, that this is this is a this is a bad thing to do because we walk by faith, not by sight. You know, and this goes back to what we were talking about yesterday. The gospel is heard. You're standing the good news in your standing before God is heard. And he says, we do have confidence, and we would rather be away from the body than at home. So whether we're at home or away, we make our aim to please him. And then here's a key thing that throws a lot of people off. For all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each may receive recompense for what he has done in the body. Whether good or evil, now Paul um, and we were talking about how this is a Roman judgment seat and um, yeah the bima, what,
0: the bench where the judge would sit
1: yeah and but Paul can Paul can make this statement confidently because he is standing not in his own righteousness not in his own work but the work of Christ that has been given to him you know and so this is why his appeal is not within this is why his appeal is not to what he sees. But his appeal is to uh, faith, faith in Jesus Christ.
0: That's right. And uh, the other thing that Paul is kind of doing here in this passage is that he's been talking about his own ministry. And the reason he is trying to defend it is because, as you said, his, he, these super apostles look really great. Uh, their churches are booming. Their robes are flowing. Uh, they just, uh, they're the life of the party. Whereas Paul, it like keeps getting arrested. He keeps getting beaten. He, uh, he, I, you know, I kind of imagine him looking a little bit like Bill Murray in Caddyshack. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas the uh, the super apostles look more like Chevy Chase in Caddyshack. And so. Uh, they're like, why would we follow you? And so Paul starts talking about the outer stuff wasting away and the outer stuff being ultimately unimportant and that stuff being temporary. And what's really important is the unseen and the eternal. And that kind of then triggers his train of thought. You got to remember, oftentimes Paul was dictating these letters. And like when you were talking, uh, listener, you one thought triggers another thought. So he kind of jumps now into this idea of w- the afterlife. You know, if, if as... He says, "The seen stuff is temporary, and the unseen is eternal. Uh, he jumps out of this idea of uh you know the the uh, what happens after we die that big question mm. because because Christians are dying, Christians are being persecuted and so um, that eternal perspective that he that he has again is this is is what he's talking about here, and how that motivates him in his ministry uh and I think uh this is a uh, this is something that is can always be helpful to remind your people um you know alex large we've mentioned before a, a friend of ours a seminary a classmate of ours who is uh, um the rector of church of the holy apostles in katie texas has an app that uh sends you messages throughout the day that reminds you that you're going to die and uh and paul always wants to keep this eternal perspective um and not just the shortness, uh, the brevity of life, uh, but also the the gospel, the the love of Christ, he says, which urges urges him on uh, to to continue this mission. And that you don't see somebody from a human point of view, uh, because in Christ everything is a new creation. And by the way, don't use this verse about being a new creation to tell people that should they should because they're in Christ, they're a new creation, and therefore they should never have any problems with sin. Or doubt or whatever and if they do it's because they're not a real Christian and they need to, to kind of do it all over again yeah um, well that's and, and I mean that is doing the exact
1: time. opposite of what st. Paul says to do here you know right. he says therefore knowing the fear of the Lord I mean because we're gonna stand before the judgment seat but not in our own like our own righteousness as you people are talking about which is going to be just decimated he says we try and persuade others we ourselves are well known to God, you know, this is the whole, the whole move of his ministry here is to appeal not to the inside, not to yourself and you becoming a new creation, but uh, the love of Christ. And it's this love of Christ, the power of the gospel that says, all of your sins have been forgiven, that he says urges us on because we are convinced that uh, Jesus has died for all and therefore all have died and he died. So, you know, anything else is just dead stuff. The only thing that is fruit is what God is doing through you Um, and uh, this message that they're proclaiming. And I love how he says that. He says, you people are regarding these super apostles as amazing because, you know, they appear successful. They appear all of this. And he's like, but the gospel, actually, the gospel that we're preaching... You know, and this is this is one of the problems in the church today too is is that we uh, regard people from human points of view. Are you woke enough? Are you pious enough? Are you doing enough? You know what I mean? And he's like, we don't regard anyone from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we no longer know him that way. And when we did know him in a human point of view, we killed him. And he's yeah. like, so the the point is here is that we regard people not by what we can see, but on what we have We can't see that which is received by faith, that which is heard, because if they are in Christ, they're a new creation and everything old has passed away. This is a statement of of who you are, not what you need to become. And uh, this, as it goes on to say in 18 and 19, is the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation is not a soup kitchen, although that's like that's helpful in the world. The ministry of reconciliation that you have been given as a preacher is to preach this gospel, this message that we no longer regard people from an outward view, but from what Jesus has done. And if you're not connecting it to what Jesus has done, then you are you're 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 a super apostle and you're not preaching yeah. the gospel
0: that's right the 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 ministry of reconciliation is announcing that you have been reconciled to God hmm. uh, through Jesus Christ um and uh that does have a horizontal human component but it ultimately it's an announcement of a vertical reality uh the the thing um uh here too I think it's good to prep your your lector, your reader, who's going to be reading this passage, because there's a, if you're doing the whole passage, the verses 11 through 13, which are optional, but I encourage you to leave them in, uh, he's, Paul kind of gives a little parenthetical note here. He takes a break from his argument to say... Uh, this thing about being in out of his mind or being in his right mind. He says, if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we're in our right mind, it is for you. Mm-hmm. He's answering people who were claiming that Paul was out of his mind. Yeah. Uh, that he was off his rocker. So, he's, he's basically, like, this is a two-way conversation. We're only getting one voice in it, Paul's voice, Paul's response. Yeah. But basically, the Corinthians had written to him and saying, there are people here that say that you are not in your right mind. You are beside yourself, Paul. You're nutty. This gospel is crazy. And so he's saying, look, if we sound like we're crazy, it's because it's for God. And if we're, But we're in our right mind. It is for you. We're trying to get you to understand. Uh, we're trying to bring you back to uh, reality here. The true reality, uh, what is unseen as opposed to the seen stuff, which is temporary, mm. passing away, and ultimately illusory and ephemeral. So, um, anyways, that's you, you may want to let your lector know that that kind of, that there's a like, it's kind of like a little parentheses sidebar that Paul goes on here. Um, If you don't do it, that's fine. But it can get a little confusing because again, you got to think about Paul dictating this and somebody writing it down as opposed to him sitting at his uh, MacBook to do a lengthy, well-composed and organized blog post. Mm. Um, So uh, this is 2 Corinthians uh, ministry of reconciliation, a human point of view versus a God point of view uh, and and um, uh, ties into Samuel. Walking by it's faith. Exact same yep. thing. that's right that's right and now into the gospel uh, according to Saint Mark we're in chapter four where we're getting some parables of jesus mm-hmm. again this is jesus who's just right out of the gate was healing people in an unauthorized way he's hanging out with sinners and seems to be friendly to them which is mm-hmm. bananas uh and then his own family thinks he has gone nuts again the gospel makes you look a little bit crazy because you're you're no longer concerned with what everybody else is concerned with you're actually sort of free and uh maybe a little happy and not anxious, and people think there must be something wrong with you, if that's what's the case. So, Jesus has just been accused of being crazy by the religious leaders. His own family thinks he's maybe not in his right mind. Um, So, that's all just happened, and now Jesus is going to describe what the kingdom of God is like. Mm. Uh, Kingdom of God is this term that Jesus uses over and over and over in his ministry, in Greek, the reign of God. It's what what the world looks like when God is in charge, Uh, and Jesus uses analogies all the time he's always going to say it's like this it's like this it's like this he's trying to uh explain uh by way of illustration uh which preachers by the way illustrations are the most important part of your sermon because that's where it gets out of being a head trip and actually connects with what this looks like in Mm. real life so jake what do you think about
1: these parables well i think uh first of all uh why does jesus teach in parables um well he teaches in parables. On one level, so that he might fulfill prophecy. If you go back a couple of um, uh, verses um, in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 4, I think around verse 12, like he quotes um, Isaiah and why he teaches in parables so that he might fulfill the scriptures and that the people might be ever hearing but never perceiving. And so... um, and, uh, and then second of all, it's important to remember as you begin to teach on parables that parables are not fables. You know, they're not lessons with a, like, a, um, they're not morality tales. These are, as you said, earthly illustrations, which every good preacher uses, of heavenly truths. Of heavenly realities, and so you know, and so when you begin to re- you begin to make sense of this, you begin to see what uh, what Jesus is talking about. So you know, the seed that's scattered on the ground is not something random. This is the kingdom of God, and so and. Um, you know, and so it is, you begin to under, understand that Jesus is teaching in these parables how uh, the kingdom of God actually works, how God actually works. And so, you know, you see in this opening part, the kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground, you know, and he just scatters it all over the place. And, uh, and then uh, the gospel does what it does. Uh, uh, until the harvest comes. You know, this isn't something that's in our control. This isn't something we're manipulating. This is something that God does for us.
0: Yeah. Th- so a few Sundays ago, I used, um, this new term that I've learned from my middle school, uh, child. This is from the video gaming world. Uh, maybe Henry knows this term, Jake, the sweaty try hard, uh, <laughs> this is uh, when you're when you're like a gamer, and I'm probably getting this wrong, because let's not forget, I am old, but the sweaty tryhard is when you're working really, it can be a person or a description of how they're playing the game, yeah. and it's it's a person who's working really hard to, to beat the game and to, and to do well, and and um, a, a good player that's just giving it all and just super intense and focused, this is the sweaty tryhard. And many people, this is how they approach their faith, it's the sweaty tryhard. <laughs> it's like, I gotta do the things, I gotta make it happen, I'm not holy enough. And I, I remember being in a a time in my life where kind of the spiritual mentors in my life were like okay every year you got to pick a goal pray about what the lord wants you to change in your life this year what you're going to focus on and um, develop maybe a plan like three things you're going to do every day to you know whatever sin you're trying to get rid of or whatever habit you're trying to change or something like that or part of your character you're trying to mold and it was like the sweaty try hard (laughs) approach to spirituality and this parable of Jesus in Mark 4, beginning verse 26, completely flies right in the face of that and says, the way God works in your life, it's like seeds that grow and you have no idea how they're growing. The part of your life that you're trying to fix spiritually is probably not what God is interested in. He's probably <laughs> doing something else in another corner of your life that you're not even aware of. And that's, this is the, the lack of awareness of the growth is the key thing here. Mm-hmm. It says the, the seed sprouts and grows and the farmer has no idea. How. He does not know how. Um, and this is what happens with the work of the gospel in your life. You, you, If you continue to hear the the Word of God, the seed scattered, this gospel message of forgiveness for sinners and love for human beings in Jesus Christ, it begins to produce this growth. And you don't know how it works. And mm. it's the opposite of this way, hard. Anything else you would say about that, Jake?
1: No, I mean, I would move on to the next one right from there, you know, it's like a mustard seed. The gospel is like a mustard seed. Uh, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. So, aka, it's coming out of the armpit of the armpit of the Roman world by a rabbi from Nazareth, you know what I mean? It doesn't get any more small or obsolete than this. Uh, Yet when buried and uh, in the ground, it grows uh, to become the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that not only the birds of the air can make nests in it and shade, but um, you can hang your entire life and your salvation upon that shrub. That's what this kingdom of God is. It comes to you once again, uh, just like uh, Samuel looking for David, just like Paul saying, not in the super things. Um, It's definitely not within you. But um, outside of you, um, it is uh, so insignificant, yet when um, it is realized, when that word hits your heart, uh, you hang your whole life on it.
0: And I think, you know, the, the other thing too about the mustard seed parable, we often emphasize the smallness of the seed, mm. which is definitely a point, and that is uh, a point that Jesus is trying to make here. Uh, but... All seeds are small, you know. I mean, it's not like the seeds of wheat, the grains of wheat they? that people were planting. No, well, <laughs> I mean, the coconut, yes. The avocado, we realize these are things. But, uh, but most seeds are pretty tiny. And um, mm. the, uh, the point here is that when you plant, what the gospel is, yes, it's a very small seed. It comes from an, often overlooked things in life. But it grows into this huge shrub Uh, it grows into this thing that's so big, it's like a a tree from this tiny, tiny seed. And so this is saying two things. It's saying, yes, the gospel is a small seed. It's often overlooked and unseen and unremarkable. Uh, It's the parts of your life that are not the things you're proud of and all that sort of stuff. And also, it's like when the gospel comes and that seed is planted... It takes over everything. It's like this enormous thing that has a huge mm-hmm. impact, and this is this is true about the gospel. When you know that you're forgiven and loved, it sort of changes everything.
1: Yeah, and it's and if if the kingdom of God is Jesus, you know, when it's sown upon the ground, you know, it mm-hmm. is, you know, when it's buried, um, it, well, it most certainly rises, and uh, and that resurrection indeed takes over absolutely everything and as a result uh, there is not one square inch of this world as abraham kuyper once said which the lord jesus christ does not declare as his
0: yep that's right and uh, you can also look at this from sort of a sociological historical cultural context and just know this is a tiny tiny movement in a backwater of the roman empire and it will completely transform in three centuries and even before that it'll begin to completely transform the known world and we are still living in the world that this message made mm-hmm. uh um and uh you know it just the caesars of rome cannot stand uh against what is happening through jesus and the fact that we now care about things like uh human rights and we think that there should not be child labor and uh, we think that women are people too and it's not only rich men that matter and all those sorts of ideas begin to come from the teachings of jesus christ and uh and and uh, Also, if it weren't for him, movies would not have happy endings. It'd all be Greek tragedies. But because (laughs) of Jesus, isn't it funny that in every movie somebody gives their life so that there can be a happy ending for everybody else? I'm looking at you, Captain America, crashing your plane with your dropping your atomic bomb into the ocean and Mm. killing yourself so that the whole world can be saved. And you, you know, fill in the blank with your example here. But this is this is. Jesus Christ is this tiny seed that nobody thought mattered at all and he planted himself in the ground. He died and was buried and as a result, the tree that has grown from that has transformed the whole world.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, that'll do it for
0: uh, proper six, uh, the uh, the third Sunday after uh, Pentecost um, and as we uh, now move through the month of June. So we'll see you here again next week and we'll tell you... How to preach.
1: Done Bye. and dusted.
0: Somebody's looking, somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're today. You know, it crucified him, buried him, but three days later, will the stone got rolled away? Thanks for listening to the same old song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, Leave a review or rating in apple podcasts dave zoll will be sad if you don't thanks to tj hester for audio production and remember to keep that bible by your bedside ready to rock and roll